Well, slip back in time to 1987 when cell phones were built like bricks. Literally, the size, weight, and toughness of bricks, with the users paying 50 cents a minute to talk on top of the monthly fee. The bangles were walking like an Egyptian. George Michael had faith. Cause I gotta have faith. And couch potatoes were introduced to Bart Simpson. Oh, oh, yo, yo. Along with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and going out for an evening meant big hair or a perm. In October of the same year, 1987, the stock market fell apart. Good evening, everyone. Well, the law of gravity hit Wall Street today, and financial markets around the world for that matter, as stock prices plunged even more than they did on Black Tuesday of 1929. But while the mass population was fixated on their big hair, Bart Simpson and the Bengals, the not-yet-born adventure motorcycling community was about to be kicked off by a couple of adventure riders as they began a 30-year journey in the making of Horizons Unlimited. And over the following 30 years, it would become the hub for adventure motorcyclists around the world. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you're going to want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Made in the USA and comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as the MCM top pick in their recent compressor comparison. www.cyclepump.com I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hickstead. Dr. Gregor W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lambert. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schwartz. Brett Tatt. Zoe Cano. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Rowe. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeVell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com the MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com. Ready. My name is Susan Johnson, and I'm the co-founder of Horizons Unlimited. I'm Grant Johnson. I run Horizons Unlimited with Susan. How did you guys meet? 
Um, our story is mostly out on the, the website in terms of how Grant came to the whole thing was obviously had been a motorcyclist since he was 16 and uh, and won the Canadian National Championships in road racing and motocross and, and had traveled a lot in North America on a motorcycle and wanted to go further and um, hadn't been able to find anyone that wanted to travel with him and doesn't really like to travel alone. So he uh, we encountered each other, uh, but there was quite a bit of questioning that had to go on t- before I was prepared to go with him. Uh, I'd never been on a motorcycle before I met him. I was in my early 30s at the time. I had a lot of people in my family who believed that motorcycles were just really dangerous, and the idea that you would go traveling on a motorcycle was like adding two dangerous things together to make something super, super scary. So um, I wanted to travel, though. I'd done a lot of traveling in my early years, and so I kind of had to come around to the idea that motorcycles were going to be the way to go. And uh, it took about a year or maybe more for him to kind of bring me around, break me in gently, as he puts it. Uh, and then we headed off, um, sold all our stuff and, and set a date and got on the bike and just just started. And thir- after 30 years, we're still doing it. <laughs> you just meant, you made it sound like you had to go for an interview. Well, there was kind of, no, well, it was a mutual interview. <laughs> <laughs> so Grant wanted to make As sure you, you were compatible for his adventures. That was sort of a high priority. First he finds a woman he's attracted to, and then he runs her through the, the interview to make sure he's getting the right person. It's, it's a smart way to do it, if you think about it. You well, have to. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we know of couples who've gone on big trips and split up in the middle of the trip. It just didn't, just wasn't working because one has one idea and has a different idea. Susan, I'm curious about your early travel. You, you mentioned that you'd traveled when you were younger. What sort of traveling? Um, my father was a, a construction manager on uh, large hydro-type projects. And uh, so I was only a year old when we moved from southern Ontario to northern Quebec. Then we lived all across northern Quebec, northern Ontario, northern Saskatchewan. And when I was nine years old, we moved to Columbia in South America. And it was like a revelation that, A, there were warm places in the world. Uh, and, and B, coming it was just southern a fantastic Ontario. place. It's coming from northern Saskatchewan. And that oh, point. I see. <laughs> Um, but we had, we lived in a little project town out in the middle of nowhere, um, a few hours from Cali. And I took schooling for a couple of years there, learned Spanish, uh, just was ex- exposed to uh, influences that I would never have been exposed to in, in Canada. Uh, we were there for two years, and then I ended up living in southwest Texas for almost five years, uh, North Carolina, eventually back to uh, Ontario just in time to for my last couple of years of high school. So done a lot of not traveling you know, per se, but living in other places and was keen to see more. You know, hadn't really by any means been saturated in terms of what I wanted to see. So Grant, Susan was more experienced in traveling when you met her than you. Yeah. Yes, she was. She had been considerably farther than I had. So it was a marriage of travel versus and motorcycles. <laughs> so you were, you were probably highly impressed when you find out what she's done as far as where she's been. Oh, yes. Hey, this, uh, hey, this sounds good. <laughs> Let's keep talking. <laughs> where is it that you guys met? Okay, well, the the official 
story that we used for a lot of years was that we met through mutual friends. But just for you, we're going to we're going to tell you what really happened. Um, what really happened is I ran an ad. Uh, a personal ad because I was looking to change my life and Grant responded and he realized we were both looking for a, new adventures. And so that's how it started. So that was that was the and then I moved. I was living in Victoria at the time, moved to Vancouver, um, got a job. We spent the next couple of years diligently saving our money and headed off in 1987 down to uh, heading towards South America. Grant, what got you looking at the personal ads? <laughs> Why do you usually look at the personal ads? You're not finding the right person. <laughs> Compared to chatting people up at a bar and saying, do you want to go around the world on a motorcycle with me? <laughs> yeah, that, that really doesn't work when you're a non-drinker. So <laughs> I wasn't having a lot of success. I'm surprised Grant didn't place the ad saying, you know, looking for a woman must have motorcycle. You know, that, that typical one, send picture of motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I did wrong. <laughs> Should have tried that. And I wasn't even thinking motorcycle at the time, um, but it was. I wanted to travel, and in fact, our as our first date. You know, what do you want to do with your life? I said I want to travel. He says I want to go around the world on a motorcycle. Okay, why not? You said it took a year and a half or something like that, Susan, to sort of to convince you or, to, or sort of get around to the fact of um, going motorcycle traveling. Did, did you really have a, an adversity for the motorcycle to begin with? I've never been on a bike. So, but as I said, all my family was convinced that motorcycles were, not that they were evil, just that they were dangerous. Uh, almost everyone's known someone who's had a motorcycle accident. And if that's been somebody in your family or cousin or whatever... It's, uh, some people just dismiss then motorcycles as a way of travel because they're dangerous, right? People die on them. People die in cars, but people don't say, well, you should never get in a car. Um, anyway, so I'd never never ridden a motorcycle, never been on a motorcycle. Didn't really want to learn to ride a motorcycle. Grant, when I met him, had been obviously riding motorcycles by then, well, 15, 16 years already. Uh, was a good rider, experienced rider, good mechanic, uh, new motorcycles and and so i never contemplated well i should learn to ride my own and 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 then we'll travel to, you know, on two bikes instead it was going to be a two up situation and that was fine um it, but it, but it took a while for him to train me how to be a good um passenger and for me to get used to the idea of relinquishing control over <laughs> over anything really <laughs> because i'm not exactly a uh a laid back person. So anyway, we did a number of trips uh, around British Columbia and got used to w traveling together. And I guess in one way you can say that our, our trip down from Vancouver in 87, where we got as far as Panama, uh, took nine months. So we ran out of money to get to South America, sorry, to get from South America to anywhere else. We discovered that our budgeting hadn't really been adequate for or what we spent the money on. We traveled very slowly. I mean, nine months from Vancouver to Panama is a very long time. But on the plus side, we were still talking to each other. We had been 24-7 20, in each other's company, in a tent, <laughs> for the most part. And we still wanted to travel together. So that was the, the, the big success. We just knew we had to make some money and, and uh, maybe travel a different, different style. 
Well, especially when money gets tight, that's when things get really stressful. And then throw into that the fact, like you say, 24-7 together, same bike, same tent. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's sort of a testament for um, a combination that works. Well, in nine months, we figured we'd spent more time together than most people do in 20 years. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's an acid test for, for a relationship, for sure. <laughs> Was there a time when you were starting out that you were thinking, oh, man, what am I getting into? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of times. Um, I think probably our, when we had our first real fight, and I don't even remember what it was about on the bike, and I realized that I couldn't escape. Uh, it was like <laughs> I and some some the only envy I have sometimes of people traveling with their own bikes is that they can just go, well, that's it, I'm riding off, you know, and I'll see you, you know, in a week or whatever. Uh, but that wasn't really an option for us, so I had to had to sit down and address it. Um, Grant's position was you, you don't go to bed mad, and I think that's really important uh, to talk things out and and get over it. Uh, but to not not be as fussed over small stuff as well. You know, there's bound to be irritants, and if you let the irritants build up and you don't address them, then then yeah, we've seen a lot of relationships founder. I am Audrey Allen Scott Cook, and I'm from Redwood Meadows, Alberta, Canada, and uh, I'm a school teacher in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm Eka Cook. I also live in Redwood Meadows, Alberta, and I'm a manager slash engineer at the city of Calgary. So what event got you guys interested in traveling by motorcycle? Well, in 1998, um, uh, Audrey and I went down, I think we were two up on, uh, on a BMW K75, we went to the uh, BMW MOA National Rally. And there were a couple of presentations. Um, uh, one was by Helge Peterson, and uh, he had a fantastic multimedia slideshow. Um, and we were really en- enthralled by it. But at the same time, we thought, oh my goodness, you need to be superhuman to be to doing <laughs> some of the things that he was doing. It was just absolutely astonishing. Um, you know, dragging your motorbike through the through the Darien Gap while it was nice to see on a slideshow, we weren't really all that sure that that's the kind of thing we were wanting to do. Um, but at the same rally, uh, Grant and Susan Johnson uh, did a presentation, and they'd also spent uh, about 10 years uh, riding around the world on their motorbike, two up. And their presentation was much more about how the uh, an ordinary person could, could do this, just pack up your stuff and, and, and ride around the world. And this really opened our eyes. We had, we had no idea that this was even a thing. So uh, um, we weren't terribly keen on selling absolutely everything and then riding around the world. Um, so we still had our misgivings, but it wasn't much later that we discovered that our employers had the year long leave of absence program. So, uh, that's when the light bulb really went off, and we uh, uh, made our plans to start on uh, 2002, July 1st. So uh, we started saving, and then once we had that deadline, you know that July 1st, 2002, that that's when the leave of absence starts, it all clicked into place. In 2002, we were, were traveling around Europe, and um, 
because we met uh, Grant and Susan uh, already in 1998 and we kind of kept in contact and then they started their uh, Horizon Unlimited website uh, shortly after that, uh, uh, after they returned. So then uh, uh, we'd kept in contact on Horizons Unlimited. And then uh, in 2002, we went to the UK and we noticed that uh, there was the very first Horizons Unlimited uh, Travelers meeting that we had attended. So uh, we went to... Uh, uh, summer Coats. Summer Coats, in, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the middle of England. In the middle of England. And so there we uh, uh, went to our, our first Travelers meeting. And it was so cool that uh, uh, we were actually on a trip and the people there were just so welcoming. It, it, honestly, it almost felt like we were rock stars um, because we were out there doing it. We were out there uh, traveling from Canada and we we just spent uh, close to a year already just riding around Europe and, and North Africa. So that was our, our first real taste of, uh, of a Horizons Unlimited uh, travelers meeting. And that was in June of 2003, I guess. Then uh, we came back from from our Europe trip in, in that summer, and then late in the summer in August, uh, there was another Horizons Unlimited uh, Travelers meeting in uh, Revelstoke, British Columbia. And so while well, we thought we'd attend that, and then uh, while we were just there as attendees, then Grant came over and said, you know, you really should put on a slideshow from your trip to Europe. So uh, rather than enjoying other people's slideshows, we spent the next few hours slapping together a quick little slideshow of our, our trip in 2003. So uh, uh, then we were really kind of hooked on it. It was really kind of a, a fantastic experience to be able to share what, what I guess Grant and Susan had really started for us back in 1998, to then be able to come back and share that uh, experience with other people. and. What I've always found kind of interesting with Horizons Unlimited is that you go to these travelers meeting and most people that we know think we're just perhaps a little bit on the crazy side to be doing these kind of crazy trips. But then on Horizon, at Horizons Unlimited, it's all kindred spirits. People are there to, to learn about how to, how to do this kind of traveling. And then people there are, are understanding and, and encouraging um, so it was really a fantastic experience that, that first time back in 2003. Audrey, what was that like to spend a few hours to put together a slideshow and do your first presentation? Maybe for you being a teacher, it wasn't as big of a deal. I don't know. Well, no, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a little scary and, um, we thought, oh God, who's going to want to listen to us and what we did. And we're just regular folk who are out there traveling on our motorcycles. Uh, but it turned out the, that the audience was very receptive and, um, we were, we, we were suddenly the experts. So we had been listening to other people do slideshows and now we were the ones that were, um, that were doing it. But, um, yeah, again, um, just, just a little on the, on the frightening side, but, um, ever since, gee, we've probably done about 30 slideshows since then. So by Grant saying you guys should do a presentation, that sort of led to all these other presentations you've done. Yeah, probably, uh, uh to a certain extent for sure. Um, and I think that just the involvement with, with Horizons Unlimited really helped as well. So, so after those, uh, initial meetings, then we started to get involved more and more with Horizons Unlimited, and uh, we really wanted to give back to that community of, uh, of fellow travelers. So um, I think that's what maybe has done it even even more, is just that um, 
desire to inspire others to to get out there, to just to just do it. If if a couple of ordinary people like us can do this, anyone can. How do you guys think that Horizons Unlimited has changed things for you, if it has? Yeah, it's totally changed. I think it's totally changed us as as who we are and what we do. Um, as I mentioned, the the very first time that we we saw Grant and Susan back in 1998, with it wasn't even on our radar. It didn't. It, the, the idea of traveling around the world by motorcycle was was completely foreign to us, and so. Um, then really getting involved with Horizons Unlimited and, and trying to just spread this uh, this love of travel and just encouraging people to get out there. Um, that's, I think, the parts that's changed us the most is, is not just the experiencing the fantastic cultures around the world and the, and the traveling experience, but then being able to share that uh, with others and encouraging them to to get out there as well. Yeah, they've definitely inspired us. And um, gee, in 1998, they didn't have the website that they have now. So um, just, you know, being able to, to use that as a resource. Absolutely. You know, you go there. Um, I remember in Mongolia, I had bent, um, I had bent two rims on one pothole on my um, BMW F650GS. So anyway, we're just riding back from seeing the Genghis Khan statue and I hit this huge pothole, bang, bang. And uh, air went out of my tires, Five rode five kilometers back to the guest house. And uh, we went immediately to the Horizons Unlimited website and what can we do? And um, people recommended doing this and that. And someone said, if you pound, those bent rims out, you know, you could fracture the rims. So um, it was suggested that some motocross tubes be put in there. So we threw those in. So it's such a great source of information. I mean, that got us through the Gobi Desert to make it to our engagement in China. So, I mean, uh, and, and there's there's all kinds of things on the site, like um, shipping your bikes, for example. So uh, we like to go to uh, uh, the website for those reasons, but also to give back, as Eka says, and put our own information on there as well. And even the just the people you meet. Um, we were riding through uh, Turkey and we were heading down to Africa. And then uh, we got on the Horizons Unlimited website and uh, just asked if anyone else was, was going that general direction. And uh, we hooked up with a fellow by the name of Tom Mamick. And uh, we we tried to arrange to meet him at the, the border with Syria, but uh, our, our pass didn't, didn't quite cross. And then uh, we were in, uh, uh, gee whiz, maybe a couple of weeks later, we were in, in Cairo and we had gone to the Sudanese uh, embassy in order to get our, our entry permit to get into Sudan. And Audrey and I were just sitting in the waiting room, and then uh, uh, someone came over. Hey, are you Eka and Audrey? Yeah. Oh, I'm Tom. And so we had met on Horizons Un- Unlimited, and then uh, we hooked up uh, with Tom for quite a bit of uh, of the Africa trip. And it was all because we had connected on Horizons Unlimited. We owe a lot to them. Uh, I mean, we've traveled through so many countries because we were inspired and because they made it look so doable. Um, they have a series of videos called The Achievable Dream. And, you know, you watch the, those um, videos and their interviews of real people going around the world and doing that. So we, we owe it all to them, absolutely, to, to give us the courage to do it. 
in the process of turning this R80GS into a travel bike, um, and it wasn't finished, so it wasn't rideable yet. And we didn't want to insure it until the last minute because that just cost more money. Oh, this was a bike that fell off a truck or something, was damaged. Is that what it was? That's right. Yeah. Fell off a truck on the way to the dealer in the crate. And uh, we got it at a smoking deal. I think it was about half price, $2,600, if I remember rightly. And, uh, yeah, it needed a bit of work, but not a lot, plus a lot of preparation. Uh, it was a, a case of overprepared, but, hey, it worked. It's still there. It still works. It's still rideable. You still have the bike. Oh, yes. You could probably get 2600 for it now. <laughs> uh, I could probably get about triple that, actually. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> our, our 80 GSs are high-demand bikes. I have no idea why, but people want them. But, uh, no, I'd actually like to put it in a museum, just park it and leave it there. I can't stand the thought of somebody buying it and then doing I don't know what with it, but that bike deserves a nice rest. Susan, you you mentioned you ran out of money. What did you guys decide to do for money, or was there a plan in advance? Um, we saved money from the time that we met for better part of two years. Uh, we'd saved about uh, twenty four thousand, I think. Um, yeah, about twenty four thousand dollars, which we thought wow. was like an enormous amount. Yeah, and we were going to go around the world on it, but we hadn't bought the bike yet. Um, and as Grant Susan likes didn't to have say, any riding gear either. <laughs> As Grant likes to say, it was only 2600 but that wasn't what it cost by the time we finished fitting it out. It was probably closer to seven or 8000 uh, And uh, we, we still thought we had lots of money. We headed off, but nine months uh, was how long we were on the road. And we'd had, we weren't completely broke by the time we got to Panama, but we'd spent a, a month, uh, sorry, three months in Mexico, a month in Guatemala, a month in Costa Rica. And it was just like wow, it's going to take us a lot longer to get around the world than we thought it was going to take. So budgeting uh, was not the strong suit, obviously, but also the the slower you travel, of course, the longer it takes, and there are certain costs every day. So what did you decide you're going to work at when you're on the road? Well, my background is I'm originally a chartered accountant, and I had gotten into uh, consulting, uh, technology consulting, uh, in fact, before I uh, before I left Canada, I had been working in IT and business systems implementation and stuff. So when we finally uh, decided that we were broke down in in Panama and had to to uh, come back to Canada, I got a job working initially for Price Waterhouse and then for a consulting firm in Toronto, and that's how we ended up uh, moving to Australia. It was through consulting, which. Technology consulting turned out to be a fairly portable skill as long as the country we were moving to spoke English. And, um, and that's how we kind of funded a lot of the travels. So sort of like your today's digital nomad, uh, you know, working online. I mean, although it wasn't online. Yeah, although not online. Yeah, it was, it was fine to, you know, stop in a place and work for a year or two. We, we ended up working, as Grant mentioned, I, almost five years in Australia, almost a year in Singapore. Um, 10 years in the UK. Um, so we, we worked uh, and lived outside of Canada for more years than we've lived inside Canada in the last 30 years. Uh, my name is Maria. I live in London. I am French. 
and uh, I work in uh, finance. Yep, I'm Alistair. I'm uh, British. I live in London. I've been riding bikes since I was about 13, and uh, I work in uh, oil and gas engineering. Maria does all the planning and the, the uh, logistics. I look after buying the bikes, uh, preparing the bikes, maintaining the bikes, and uh, and things like that. started preparing um, our first overland trip there was very little information online and uh, purely by luck that was back in 2004 probably purely by luck I came across the Horizon Unlimited which was still very very niche uh, website and uh, I started doing a lot of research and I saw that they were doing a meeting in, in the UK and I registered for that and that was our first contact with them we met them in 2005 I had never done anything like that before. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what bikes, what you do, do you camp? What's, what happens when you take a motorbike in another country, you know, across the continent? How do you fly them? And all that sort of thing. So through the herb and talking to lots of people and asking lots of questions, th that, that was absolutely a turning point for me when, when I came across the website. First was equipping the bikes, which bike, what, um, how to transport the motorbikes from London to South America. And again, where as well, where would it be easy to get it out of uh, customs? Because there are some countries that are more difficult than other in terms of red tape. And, uh, and all those questions, I think I probably asked hundreds of questions when I first started because I didn't know where to start. And everything was led to another question really, you know. And uh, so I had lots of answers from the herb and from people who have done that before me. And in those days, there were not, no other resources than the herb, really. Uh, the first one was a year around South America. And then uh, we decided that we would do more trips and just work for maybe two or three years and do a, another longer trip. We went from London to Mongolia through Central Asia and back across Russia in 2014. Last year, we spent another three months again across Russia and, um, and Central Asia. Uh, we've done smaller trips around Siberia with the Russian friends and around all around Europe. I just sort of tag along, really. I think uh, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for Maria, I probably, uh, I don't think I would uh, be anywhere near as adventurous, I think. So, um, so Maria does all the research, uh, you know, uh, the sort of general uh, plans, plans for the future and things like that. And as I say, I, uh, I look after the, uh, the mechanical side of things. I think the most valuable thing for me was to meet people like me who, who can, you know, because when I, when I first started thinking about motorcycle across South America or wherever, uh, people looked at me like if I was completely mad. And, uh, and when I found the herb, for me, it was finding people who, who, for who it was normal to, to discuss that. You know, I wasn't an oddity anymore. And, uh, and it was like becoming part of a very big family. I think I tend to agree, really. It's, uh, you know, among our circle of uh, friends and uh, colleagues and family. You know, I, before, certainly before we, um, we met people through the hub, you know, we, we didn't know anyone that had, uh, that had done anything like this. 
and actually uh, through you know we, I think we went we went to a mini a mini meeting in central London and for the hub and even even through that we we ended up with three or four friends that we've kept in contact with uh, ever since so it's uh, it's it's been great from that point of view as well finding like-minded people that uh, that you really uh, become part of your life yeah we we've actually met we we've met lots of you know long lasting friendships through the hub definitely you can tell that it's a real passion for them every time we meet them uh, you know and they're still They're still going with it, and um, I guess uh, you know. It's sometimes it hasn't been easy, but um, they, they keep going, and uh, they, you know, they're, they're not just doing it for themselves; they're doing it for everyone. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, huge, huge thanks to them for. Um... They, they've made lots of sacrifices. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the moderators, so we have a special moderator forum that nobody else can go to, and we've had so in-depth discussion about lots of things and aspect of the hub and i know they've made lots of sacrifices for the hub and uh, you know one the only thing that people can do to thank them is maybe what i do every year is you know pay a little bit of contribution to the hub so that it can continue doing what it does and that's for me it's important because it creates a community if that disappear you know we will be all lost i think we will lose a, a very very big part of our life So at one point on your travels, the idea for Horizons Unlimited came up. How did that come about? <laughs> Actually, it didn't. <laughs> we, well, I shouldn't say that. Originally, when we first headed off, I was a photographer and um, I got connected with a stock agency, Comstock in New York. And if we took photographs and sold them, that makes it, that's a tax deductible business. So Horizons Unlimited was the Uh, doing business as name, and um, that's the way we went, and that worked out pretty well. So we had a good business um, as photography, selling stock photographs, and that was kind of the genesis of Horizons Unlimited because it felt like, yes, our Horizons are unlimited. We're going to get out there, and we're going to go, and there's there's no limit to where we can go, um, and that was kind of it. It wasn't never thought of as a web thing because we didn't even know what the web was then. In 87, there, there was, was nothing. No web then. <laughs> there was no web, sure. Um, but we were finally in, we would we had been on all of our trip, even in 87, we were on CompuServe, which was the early uh, method of sending emails. And we sent emails from all, of, from all of our travels to home. And eventually we got to Ushuaia in Christmas of 97 and CompuServe sent us an email and said, you can have a website. We looked at each other and said, what's a website? So we researched that, checked it out, and found out that we could actually download the software to make a website. And we made a website and went live on CompuServe Christmas 97 and called it Horizons Unlimited. And that's where it started. What was on the website? Um, there was our emails back to our family because, as Grant said, we've been on CompuServe for email since 87. And uh, so we kind of put them all up as here's our, here's our stories of places we've been on the trip and uh, consider this the first draft of a book. Yeah. Which, you know, the book never got written, of course. Still haven't written. You're still doing that, though. <laughs> That's going to come, right? <laughs> Along with everything else you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. No, nah, never going never gonna to happen. It, the stories on the website, it's all there. Our original emails, slightly edited, are still there. 
Um, it's all up. There's 500 something pictures. And you can tell that it was started in 1997 because the pictures are 350 pixels wide. They're really small. Oh, One of my right. jobs is to rescan them all from the slides and uh, put, put up some decent sized ones. Oh, so you, you have slides. Well, that's good. So you've still got a quality uh, image to take from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have, I've got two full sized file cabinets and a short file cabinet full of slides. So, yes, we have lots of slides. My mother has spent the last 10 years literally scanning slides. I'd bring her a box every once in a while. She's got a scanner on her desk, and she'd sit down, and she'd put a, a, a new slide in, walk away, come back 10 minutes later, put another one in. It took her 10 years, and she did something like 10,000 slides. Wow. You and Graham Field do well with having your mother work for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering my mother's love. now 95, she's done very well. <laughs> so uh, Christmas 97, uh, Horizons Unlimited, the first web page, which, which obviously wasn't planned to be what it is today. I mean, no one could have known what was going to happen. But at what point did it change into something different? Because you're saying that was sort of a draft for a book. W- when did it change into more of a, uh, the hub, re- literally, for travelers? Well, that was kind of interesting because that was just before we went to Antarctica. Um, I think we, on the 30th, we went to Antarctica. And by the time we got back, there was emails sitting waiting for us saying, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And how did you get in there? And and there was one I remember, can you send me all the fax numbers for all the places in Tunisia that you stayed? We went, what? (laughs) What is this? Oh, dear. Um, So I started answering them and it very quickly became a question and answer thing where I was constantly doing emails, responding to people's requests for information and very quickly decided, okay, we need to do a forum. So I started the hub bulletin board, which was a method for people to connect and share their information as well, because it seemed kind of pointless just to talk about our travels because we hadn't been everywhere by a long shot and we were were still learning and there's still lots to do. So the hub was designed as a place to share information. Of course, the hub is a play on Horizon's Unlimited bulletin board and the hub of a wheel and the hub of everything. And uh, it seemed to just keep growing and growing. And very soon after that, uh, decided to start the newsletter because people were asking, well, what are other people doing? Okay, well, we'll do a little newsletter, which is basically um, people would send me stories about what they were doing and I'd put it into the newsletter and send it out. And now we've got uh, 10,000 subscribers to that and we've done over 100 issues of the newsletter. So it just kept growing. Bulletin board goes back to pre-internet, before there was email, where you had to actually dial up the phone number specific to that bulletin board, and you had to work with that. Yes. So it was just coming out of that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah we actually did uh, use a 2400 BPS modem with a phone coupler, which you took this little piece of plastic it's about the size of a phone, and you'd put it, strap it onto a handset for the old-fashioned real phones. And that was how you sent emails. Just beep, 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 and it would make a connection and dial out, and there you go. It was amazing. But we were in Costa Rica in 87, and we tried to send an email at the local phone booth, which is... Like there'd be a little place where there'd be a bunch of phones and you'd go in and you'd pay your money and you'd make a phone call to anywhere in the world. And uh, we sat down and started to do this and hooked up the phone coupler and pulled out the computer. The um, 
person that ran the place freaked out and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, what's that? <laughs> could, could not understand what we were trying to do. We tried to explain it, but didn't get it. And eventually we ended up in the head office of the uh, tele- Costa Rica telecoms in, in the big guy's uh, office. And he said, what's, what's this? What are you doing? And we explained to him what we were doing. And he said, oh, it's interesting. I got to see this. So he handed us his phone and we made the first email from Costa Rica. Going to take a break just for a second and thank one of the sponsors that helped bring this episode to you today, and that's PSSOR, Puget Sound Safety Off-Road. It's a division of Puget Sound Safety, which is motorcycle training. PSSOR specializes in training for you, an adventure motorcyclist. And with adventure motorcycling, we're obviously riding much heavier bikes, in a lot of cases anyway. But even if you're riding a small bike, um, they train everything from little tiny bikes right on up to the big adventure bikes. And they've got a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, one of the ways they do it is a, is a sort of a classroom style where you're going to one spot and learning um, at that spot. In other words, one location. Another spot that I really like the sound of that's, that's really neat is their expedition training. And that's where you, they take you on one of the BDR routes or something like that. And you actually learn on a real adventure. That is very cool because you're going out and you're finding real world obstacles and you're overcoming them. And when you run into trouble, that's the the time to learn. That's when Brett and the and the trainers at PSSOR take those opportunities to teach you things about that. So a great way to learn. And let's face it, learning more about riding your motorcycle, I mean, we can all do that at any skill level. We, we can always advance. You can also get renters, rentals through them as well. You can arrange that. Drop by their website, www.pssor.com. Look at their lineup for 2018. I think we're done for 17 now. They're already booking for 2018. So you want to be quick, have a look at what they've got there, www.pssor.com. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, definitely mention you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Do you know what the term body English is when it comes to motorcycles anyway? It's using your body to help your motorcycle change direction. In other words, by leaning your bike. So, you know, you stand on your pegs, you're pushing on one peg and letting off the other, or maybe you're leaning your bike over and you're putting a lot of weight on the outside peg to change your contact patch footprint. It makes a big difference when you're on a large adventure bike and even a small adventure bike. It's all controlled by the pegs when you get into the off-road situations where you're standing up. And when you're doing that, you think about it, your only contact point are those pegs. You want pegs that are extremely durable. You want pegs that will hold on. So in other words, your, your foot will connect with them and stay connected. And you want a big enough platform there that you can stand up and be confident. When you stand up on your bike, I mean, you, you should be fully supported by your pegs and have some stability there. And most stock pegs are not big enough. IMS has a full range of foot pegs available for you and I, and I'm running them on my bike now. I really, really like these pegs. I'm running the rally version of their pegs. They're all cast certified 17-4 stainless steel, certified heat treating, homogenizing, and annealing process. They're built in the USA. They're guaranteed for life. And IMS, IMS is a company that's been around for a long time now. I think it's from 1976 was the date they started. And they founded themselves on supplying equipment to racers. And racers, of course, are very demanding people. Well, they put that same quality into these foot pegs. You've got to see them to, to, uh, to really understand the quality. Drop by their website, www.imsproducts.com. Get a hold of them. Ask them the questions you need to ask about it. And do yourself a favor. Get yourself a good set of IMS foot pegs. And anytime you're talking to them, of course, mention Adventure Rider Radio. Fast forward to today. What is Horizons Unlimited today compared to what it was? 
<laughs> it's still the hub, that's for sure. It's uh, a meeting point for people who are interested in traveling somewhere else, a little bit farther than the average. You know, the average rider goes maybe for a weekend or maybe they go for a couple of days, but most people go to the coffee shop down to the pub for, a, for an afternoon ride and that's it. But uh, we're more interested in people who are interested in going a little farther, maybe just to the next state or maybe the next door country, or it might even be to another whole continent. But they're interested in getting out there and seeing more. And that's what we're all about. And we try to, as our tagline says, inspire those people to go farther, make them see that it's possible to go a lot farther than they thought. Because a lot of people come to the website and say, oh, I'm kind of thinking about this travel stuff, but I don't know what's possible. And then they see all these stories from hundreds, thousands of people who've been all over the world. And, oh, it's actually possible. I can do that. My friends are wrong when they say I'm going to die as soon as I cross a border. Uh, so they get this inspiration. They say it's possible. And we tell them how to do it, what you can do what you need to know to, to do it easily and safely. And um, we try and connect them with other travelers so that they can learn from other people's stories as well. So it's all about inspiring, informing, and connecting travelers. Susan, where did the idea for the Hub Meet come from? We, um, the very, we were actually in England. After we finished our, um, finally in 98, when we finished our Round the World, uh, we were kind of, beyond broke at that point. And so we, we moved to England and I had a job and Grant had some spare time. Um, and we were, that is a recurring theme as we go forward. I was kind of the, the, the venture capitalist for Horizons Unlimited in the early years. Um, but uh, we were living in the UK for a couple of years. And then in 2001, we um, decided we were going to come back to Canada. Well, now tell the truth. We had this um, message from parents uh, who were getting old and said, are you guys ever going to come home? Are we going to see you before we die? <laughs> yeah, but that was the, that was the first yeah, time they tried that. That was line. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> we then moved back to the UK and then came back to Canada. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, there was pressure. There's been pressure from the families, obviously, that to have us at home. So we decided we were going to come back to Canada, um, but we wanted to have a going away party. So we wrote to the people that were on our mailing list and we said, we're, we're going to have a going away party uh, in our back garden where we're living in, uh, in England. And everyone who wants to come, you know, come along, you can, you can camp in our backyard. So we were really surprised to discover about 40 people showed up uh, and they came all the way from Norway uh, <laughs> just for the weekend, you know, kind of rode down and, and stayed over and then rode home. And we thought, well, oh, this is cool. And a bunch of people said, wow, this, we should do this again. And we said, that's fine, but we're moving to Canada. So if you want to have another event, you're going to have to organize it yourselves. And a couple of people put their hand up and said, okay, we'll organize it. And they did. And that was the first UK meeting, um, how that be became. We got back to Canada. Uh, we decided to have an event in British Columbia. And so we had the first Horizons Unlimited BC meeting in uh, Pemberton area. And that was in 2002. And that grew from there. And then they just, I guess we kind of put the word out that, you know, these, this was something. And people kind of went, oh, we could have one up where we are. And and uh, so we that's still how they happen today. People, somebody writes to us. I mean, we're talking to Ecuador you know, tomorrow, 
and or maybe this afternoon and uh, and Chile and uh, Indonesia and Russia and Switzerland and so there's there's like people pop up all the time and say well I'd like to do a Horizons Unlimited Travelers meeting in in my my country uh, and and we kind of go okay let's talk and that's how it's grown to like I don't know 25 27 uh, events this year so that's how it, it's all everything's organic you know the website grew organically the the um, the meetings grew organically. If we had planned all of this way back in '97 you know, or or so, who knows what whether we would have ended up where we are now? But we we're trying to kind of figure out how to manage it all um, with just the two of us, and it's a challenge. And really, you've been pouring money into it the whole time. I mean, th- this thing was a, a labor of love. This is something you were just doing because you loved it, and you were working elsewhere. Up until uh, 2009, I was working as a consultant. I, I was actually 25 years altogether uh, as a business and technology consultant in various locations. And then 2009, I was actually working for Microsoft in their consulting practice in the UK. And uh, the recession hit in, and I got laid off. So we were at that point just started into the DVD series and had done a whole bunch of, of uh, interviews. I had 200 hours of video to, to get edited and our editor had quit. And, and we realized that if after the first DVD he quit and we realized that if we were going to get this thing done, then somebody was going to have to take charge of the project and make it happen. So that was me. I found another video editor, but it took us two years to get the videos done. And after that, I basically continued working on Horizons Unlimited. And uh, then we, we've been trying to make it work as a you know, self-sustaining kind of financial thing. And, and the core other thing about that, of course, is uh, after 2009 and the recession, of course, um, advertising dropped way off. The, so that made us require, required us to look at the, the business model, if you will, and say, well, how will we actually generate income to support the website, to support upgrades to the website and new features and functionality? Uh, and it has to come really from the travelers' meetings because that's the thing that people will pay for. So we're, we're, we're looking at you know, all of our options for going forward. Um, Every once in a while, people will actually bluntly say, well, so what's your guys' exit strategy? Or, you know, you're getting on, you know, so what uh, what are you going to do when you're in your 80s? (laughs) We don't have an answer yet, but we're working on it. I'm a biologist. Um, I work... uh, for a foundation that supports research and education for dentists. And in my private life, um, I love traveling. I love uh, riding motorcycles. I love uh, 4x4 cars. Yeah, I've, I've been on a, on a trip with a motorcycle uh, all the way through Asia for two years. And this has also um, quite influenced my life. So how is it you first came across Horizons Unlimited? Um, how came I first across the website? I think this was when um, I was I was alone. In, I was a single then. I was um, in Thailand. 
I had rented a motorcycle there and had joined a little group and we went to the jungle. And um, I met an Australian guy there and I talked to him and he said, you know, I met this German woman a few years ago and she came here to Thailand from Germany. I said, oh, yeah, well, I'm here from Germany to Thailand. And said, yeah, but she had ridden her motorcycle here. And this, this really impressed me. And um, this was the first time that I thought, oh, really? Is, is it possible to ride like all the way from Germany to Thailand on your motorcycle? And then I started, this, this idea somehow got stuck in my head. I thought I started searching the internet on information on how this is possible. And then I found like all this information out there and that there's a whole community. And of course, I found the website Horizons Unlimited. And this is how the... The idea of, uh, yeah, doing something like this myself uh, all started. So you didn't know what was going on beforehand. It was it was the Horizons Unlimited website that sort of opened your eyes to people are doing this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I loved uh, riding motorcycles. I loved doing like crazy things always. But um, I never thought that it would be possible to ride overland on a motorcycle like all around the world. And um, so it, just, it was really an eye opener. What was your first hub meet like? Uh, my first hub meet was in Germany. And um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I just, I had to search a lot of information on, on, on the forum before. Um, I had decided I also want to do something like like this, you know, like do a trip all, all around Asia and then maybe even further. And um, so I started to look for information and I said, oh, there's a meeting even. So like you can really speak to people face to face and it sounded like fun. So I just went there and uh, I was immediately, yeah, I immediately loved it because people were so, you know, open and friendly. And uh, you had a great mix of people, people that had done all all kinds of, of traveling and, and they had so much experience. And still it was, uh, they were so approachable, you know, they were like normal people to talk to. And uh, I immediately loved this. <laughs> has it changed my life? Yeah, it has changed my life. Um, maybe not uh, by planting this idea, this idea come from somewhere else, but to showing me that it's, it's actually feasible to do something like this and that these are just normal people, you know, doing such crazy stuff like, packing the, everything they want to take with them on a motorcycle and go around the world. So this, of course, it changed my perspective that things like this are possible. But then it also changed my life because at this first meeting in Germany, um, I've, I met the man that I'm married to now. And um, so this, uh, my husband, Filippo, the first time that we, yeah, met each other was at the meeting, the Horizons Unlimited meeting in Germany. So I can say this really changed uh, my life and uh, yeah, to a significant <laughs> part. Yeah. And right now that's a good thing, right? Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, <sure. laughs> you, you were mentioning you, you tend to blame Susan for this. I always say I blame Grand Susan for this um, because they all started this. So, but of course, it's it's in a choking way. So I'm I'm very grateful for this. So, what's your life like now? What what's different with Horizons Unlimited and this meeting of your husband? I mean, aside from the obvious, but what's different as far as your travel experiences and the and the way you see the world? 
Um, yeah, well, after after we have met, um, so we got together. We got together also at another Horizons Unlimited um, event that was in the Pyrenees, um, so in the mountains between uh, Spain and France. And um, so we really became a couple there, and um, we both had these yeah dreams about traveling around the world. And um, so I I actually had quite a plan already, and um, then I thought, oh yeah, you know, like getting in a relationship now maybe this is not the best idea but then when Philippa said you know I, I could actually join you on this trip so why, why, why shouldn't we do this together so we started planning for this trip together and um, we basically both gave up our lives at home quit our jobs and sold the stuff that we had and uh, then uh, about a one year later um, we got married before we um, left on the trip and then we just uh, headed off and um, we spent two years together traveling all over Asia and uh, all the way down to Australia and New Zealand. Of course, this changes your life. I mean, not only by that you give up your life at home, but also it opens a new perspective. And I mean, you learn so much along the way. You meet so many people. You, you learn about new cultures. And uh, of course, you also experience a lot of Maybe more uncomfortable situation or extreme situations, and um, we've gone through all this um, together. So we also always say, it's. I mean, we've just been together two years on the road, but it's probably like being married for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because the added stress the road puts on you. Yes, maybe because uh, yeah, I mean, you go through a lot of extreme situations physically and also uh, mentally. So this, of course, um, you, you know the other person in a lot of extreme situations. And then um, it's also, I mean, when you spend, when you're traveling together, we were riding two motorcycles. So we were kind of apart when we were riding, but still we're together seven days a week, 24 hours a day and for two years. So we were never separated during this time. So this is a long time that you spend together and you get to know each other very well during this time. Is Horizons Unlimited still a part of your life? Oh, yes, it is. Um, yeah, already during our trip, um, we visited um, like all the Horizons meetings that, we, uh, that were on our way. So we've been to the meeting in Thailand, then um, in Australia. We traveled for two years and then we... And we went back to Europe and found jobs again in Switzerland. Switzerland is such a beautiful country and it's, it's great for motorcycling. But there's no Horizons Unlimited meeting in this country. So maybe we should just ask Grant and Susan whether we could do one here. And, and they were excited uh, immediately about the idea. So this year in 2017, we had organized the first Horizons Unlimited meeting also in Switzerland. And um, yeah, it was it was great. It was a huge success. A lot of people came. And so, um, yeah, we still love this community. We still love the atmosphere at those meetings. And that's why we also brought it uh, to Switzerland. I'm very grateful to them. I think that what they have done is, is amazing. That's, they have set up this website and um, all the information that's there. Um, in a time when it was, I mean, like the whole internet thing was still pretty new. And so they were really the first that put this information online. 
And it's great, all the information that they have gathered, all the people that they can bring together. And um, so I think they have done a tremendous job. And um, they, I think they also have sacrificed a lot, you know, a lot of time and uh, probably also a lot of money um, that they have invested in it. And so um, I just think it's, it's, it's a great resource. And um, I'm very happy that it exists. And I, I just love the meetings, you know, all over the world. It's, it's always wherever you go to such a Horizons Unlimited meeting, you meet people that are very, I don't know how to say, like special or, but not, I mean, it's just nice people, very open people and people you can always talk to and they understand you. They're really like-minded. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm very grateful that they have done this. So exactly what happens at one of the meets? A lot happens. I should, probably very, shouldn't have said exactly. Should I, I shouldn't have thrown that in. I should have just said what yeah. happens at the meets. It's actually different at every event because you have this sort of local local flavor to it, if you will. Uh, so the depending on what the riding is like in the area, people may have uh, some, there may be some group rides organized. Uh, there's always a, an attempt to do lots of how-to and, you know, really useful information content. We know people come for the inspiration. Um, so it's trying to make, you know, the, that inspire, inform, connect, I guess, is the, is the framework. So inspirational talks from people who've gone to places where you might actually think about going, but you, but you have never, cont- you know, never thought it was possible or places where you've never heard of, and and then you kind of go, oh wow, this this could be interesting. I'd never never thought about doing that. Uh, and then once you're thinking about seriously traveling, then it's like, oh okay, well, I need to know so much. I need to know about um, self defense. I need to know about um, fixing the bike and and GPS and trip planning and you know, just like the topic list is well, you can tell from the DVDs, the topic list is pretty extensive. Um, so you have all these people there that you can ask questions that have been to places that you want to be uh, going to and, and what did they experience. So it's just a, a massive amount of, of whatever you want. Do you want inspiration? Do you want information? Do you just want to talk to other people who are kindred spirits? It's, I suppose, different for um, every individual, but there's there's plenty of things for people to, to do no matter what stage they're at in the planning for, for a trip. The biggest problem people usually have at the meetings when they come, or actually the only real problem they have, is figuring out their own personal schedule. Because at an event, one of the larger events, like Hub UK, for instance, we'll have up to 90 presentations over the four days of the event. And there's three and four and five things going on at once. So what do you choose? You know, that's that's the hard part to figure it out. We try and do some repeats as best we can for the important ones and where possible, but it's just a, a mass of information. In fact, I had a feedback from somebody the other day for one of the events in Australia. And he said, uh, we, our biggest thing that we had to overcome in deciding whether to come was whether it was going to be worthwhile. And now I can say, oh, it was very worthwhile. We couldn't believe the amount of information and expertise that was displayed by the speakers. And we came away absolutely full of information and we'll be back. 
The people that I talk to that have been to meets and you know, I talk to them all the time, a lot of them talk about there's tons to learn, obviously. And, and some of the things they point out is that they're learning from people who have already done it, sort of not from a, a static classroom book or something. They're actually talking to people who've done mm. trips and they can ask questions that are directly related to the trips they've done, which is very cool. But also the other thing that everybody seems to mention is just the camaraderie, just going there and meeting other like-minded people. Yeah. That's, that's very important. I've had people say that clearly the best part of the whole event was sitting around the campfire talking with all these people who'd done all these wonderful trips and really becoming and feeling like a part of that. And that made me feel that it was possible that I could do it too. I could be one of them. They're just ordinary people. We, we actually like to say that it, it's like the family that you would have chosen if you could choose your family because – to be honest, you know, most people, when they start thinking about traveling somewhere on a motorcycle, their family and friends will all say, oh, my God, are you crazy? Um, and do their best to try and talk them out of it. And then they come to a, an HU meeting and they've got all these people saying, well, of course you can go to Mexico or South America. You know, it's not, not a big deal. And here's how. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not crazy. And uh, and it is possible. And, and in fact, it's probably, you know, as safe as as a lot of things I do. Um, so that's a really big thing that people, it's kind of a, a click moment where people will go, oh, wow, you know, all those things my friends and family have been telling me are actually not based on any information. They're just just based on what they heard on the evening news, um, which is not really a good place to get your information. Susan, you mentioned the DVD series. What's the DVD series about? Well, the, the origins of the DVD series is that we started doing presentations uh, about how to travel on your motorcycle right literally the year that we finished our, our uh, Round the World in 1998 uh, at a BMW MOA in, um, in Montana. And we continued to do presentations as we started doing meetings of our own because people wanted to know. And eventually it ended up being like a five-hour uh, presentation with a lunch break and we had it filmed one year and uh, not very good quality but it was we made a dvd that was just grant and i talking for like two and a half hours edited down and we sold a couple of thousand of them and people kept saying well do you have more do you have more so we thought okay um let's let's we've got a lot of people we know a lot of people who've done traveling by this time uh we interviewed 150 travelers at all our meetings in all over the world, mostly in the UK and the US and Canada. And we asked them everything, you know, where did you go and where did you sleep? And what was it like crossing borders? And, you know, how, how, what kind of bike did you ride? And I mean, just everything. And we ended up with 200 hours of video, uh, professionally shot, high def, and then took, um, and we'd also told people we were going to have like a four DVD series out by Christmas of that year. That was six months you know, after we'd finished the, the filming. And uh, by Christmas, we'd gotten one DVD done. And then our editor quit in the middle of the second one because uh, he decided he had too many other things to do with his life. And we ended up having to try and get the others done. And we we couldn't stop or, or quit because we'd pre-sold uh, the whole package to a lot of people in order to fund the, the editing. Uh, so we had hundreds of people who were expecting these DVDs that we had to deliver. It took us two years. We were basically about six months per DVD in the end. It took us two years. 
we offered people their money back. Um, I think one person actually took us up on it, and that was because he was going off traveling and couldn't wait. Uh, and then people actually said that it was worth waiting for. It ended up being 18 hours of video. We've sold them on Amazon and also through our website, and they get awesomely good reviews. Uh, and it's a whole bunch of different people's perspectives. So it's not just Grant and Susan talking about these things. It's it's people who've done like the forwards, you know, 193 countries, two up on a Harley Davidson, and uh, and are well positioned to talk about what it's like to spend 10 years on the road and what kind of you know shipping challenges do you have trying to get to every country in the world. Uh, lots of lots of different perspectives, um, lots of different ages, and and importantly, they do you do get the feeling that hey, if they can do it, I can do it, and that's been a message that we thought was important all the way along. You know, it's not something, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be a superhero or young or, or, you know, physically fit. You just have to want to do it and, and make it happen. You know? So if people get that over that idea that, Oh, I can't do this. And they look at other people and go, well, maybe I can. The DVDs are, are great. And they're also available on Vimeo now, aren't they? Yes, we uh, went through the process of having all of it uh, put onto Vimeo, but because of we ended up doing that in high def, the DVDs themselves were in standard def in order to be able to fit them on DVDs, but the high def is what we've uploaded to Vimeo, and we had to break it up into, I think it's about 15 um, sessions, 15 chapters, otherwise it's too big to download, um, but you can just download like one, you know, one of the, of the 15 uh, segments, and they're approximately an hour, an hour and a half each. And um, and pick and choose what you want. So uh, Vimeo.com slash Horizons Unlimited if people want to go there. You do more than this, though. You also have, um, I mean, you've updated your website. Your website's very modern with tons and tons of information. Um, you also have a, a new thing. Well, let me first ask about the hum. Just talk a little bit about the hum, Grant. Oh, the hum is uh, something that we've done as a primarily a writing event because the travelers meetings, we don't do an awful lot of writing that the writing is something that we basically say is you can ride 362 days of the year. This there's, you've got three days here now to, to talk to people and learn about travel. You can ride other times, although we do do rides at most of the events and some of them are a fair bit of riding, but the hum was designed as a, an event for people who want to ride their, Maybe they've done a trip or maybe they can't go for three years. They'd like to do something fun. They want to do some off-road and at the same time improve their skills for when they do go traveling. An important component of the HUM, which stands for Horizons Unlimited Mountain Madness, by the way, uh, is a navigation. There's a lot of people who want to go out and travel and they're afraid of getting lost. Well, with the HUM, you can improve your map reading skills. You can improve your GPS skills and uh, – improve your ability to not get lost, to understand where you are in the wilderness so that you can ride anywhere, anytime, and figure, right, I can get out of wherever I am one way or another. I've got a map, I've got a GPS, I've got a compass, I can get out. So navigation is a very important part of the hum, but it's primarily focused is, let's get out and have a really great ride. Oh, and I should mention that the events are also AMA or CMA as appropriate sanctioned, plus FIM sanctioned. World, so we have a world's uh, FIM sanction on these events. As far as getting involved, as far as doing things, I mean, people can go to the meets, but you can also um, you can also get a membership with you guys. 
Yeah, you can. Um, membership is strictly voluntary, and it helps support the website and helps pay the rent for us, of course. Uh, and it's a statement that, yeah, I think what you're doing is worthwhile, and I'd like to support it. You can be a contributing member for only $15 a year. It's not a big expense, and it's, it helps us keep going. It's, it's an important part to us, and, and it shows us also that people are committed to the website and what we're trying to do to help travelers. And, and that's really important to us as kind of, I guess it's an emotional support. People believe that what we're doing is important and they're willing to help support it. And that's, that's really important. It's great. There's, there's just so much information on the website. It really can, you can almost spend a lifetime going through and, and digging more and more. And of course, more is going on all the time, but you have your latest big thing, I, I guess, has been your destinations portion of the website. Yeah, that's been a big push. It's been something that we've been trying to figure out how to make happen since well, about, about 1998. <laughs> uh, my thinking has always been that you want to plan a trip. Well, okay, you want to figure out where you're going to go. There's all the information you could ever want is out on the internet. Just try and find it. It can be incredibly difficult. You could spend days at it trying to just find a, about one little place. Uh, I can think of one spot and just offhand, and I can never remember the name of it, but try and find it. And especially if you can't remember the name, maybe you've seen a picture in somebody's blog about this great place, but they didn't really talk about it. But there's this cool picture. Where is that? How do you find it? Well, Destinations has been our thinking that if we had a spot where everybody could put in their cool place, what uh, the cool place that they wanted to see, um, the most important and most interesting places that they did on their trip, uh, all the repair shops, all the border crossings, um, where the great places to stay were that are motorcycle or traveler friendly. If all of that was in one single database and you could zoom in on a map to an area and say, oh, there's a repair shop. There's a Suzuki shop. Great. I can go there. And there's a hotel right next door. I'm going to put those into my personal bucket list. And I'm going to put in that great destination, that really cool cave or whatever it is that I want to see. Put it into your own personal bucket list on our website. And at the end, when you've picked all these places that you want to go to or you want to see, you can then um, output a GPX file that gives you the waypoints for everything. Currently, we have 2,500 border crossings in there. Um, we've got, I think, about 750 destinations, which would be primarily interesting cool places that you want to see. Uh, there's just so many places that you could possibly want to go. And we want to encourage travelers to put in more places. What was your favorite spot? What, what was the most amazing place you saw? What was a good place in every country? You know, your, your top interesting places, your top repair shops that you use, put those into the database, share them with other travelers. Horizon Limited was built originally on the idea of sharing information. We started by sharing what we had, and then others started by sharing what they had, and the, it has grown based on sharing what you know with others and benefiting by others sharing for your own trip so that if everybody shares and everybody donates information and adds to it, the website grows, there's more information, and eventually everything you could ever want to know about planning your trip and where to go is all in there in one place. And Destinations is the focus for that.
My name is uh, Brent Carroll, and uh, I'm currently living in Seattle, in Washington. And uh, I work in the IT field uh, for King County, which is the uh, county where Seattle is. Where did you first find Horizons Unlimited? So there's a little story here, and uh, from the last time we chatted, uh, I met Susan and Grant after some searching, and um, this was just after having bought a motorcycle and sort of dipping my toes into the adventure motorcycling genre, if you will, and I came across Horizons Unlimited. I had not, I knew nothing about them, and uh, for me, it was an, uh, an educational outreach. I wanted to find out more. And the more I learned online, I convinced myself to go to a meeting. And um, and this was in Virginia, in Appomattox, their first meeting there. And uh, it was at that meeting, after meeting Susan and Grant and participating in that weekend's um, learning opportunities, that, uh, that I decided I was going to take off on my own <laughs> as well. What were you thinking you were going to get out of it when you went to the meeting? So mostly it it seemed educational to me at first glance where there were, uh, you know, scheduled presentations on on different topics related to overland travel in general. Um, But because these were, it seemed to me anyway, that most of these folks were motorcycle people that, uh, that the two intersected quite nicely in my search for information. And, uh, and that's precisely what it was. Uh, lots of uh, presentations and talks on topics, you know, ranging the gamut of uh, what you might want or things you didn't even know you needed to know uh, about overland travel. Uh, but that was really just sort of the tip of the iceberg because um, the, the, the people that come to Horizons Unlimited meetings are just the most fantastic people with the best stories to tell, uh, you know, outside of presentations uh, that, you know, you're talking to just hanging out in line to eat breakfast or by the campfire or, uh, you know, in just ad hoc places like that. And uh, so when I came away from uh, my first Horizons Unlimited meeting, I was just, I was totally pumped up. I felt like that if I were going to do some magnanimous trip on my own that that I wouldn't be the first that I would have uh, uh, be part of this community uh, that Susan and Grant had created, and that uh, and I'd never be alone. If I had questions, I I could easily find answers, and so it was a support network that sort of developed for me, and uh, one that I ended up relying on very heavily during my trip. Why did you search for HU to begin with? You were obviously planning a trip, but what made you what made you want to plan a trip? Um, so I wanted to plan a trip, um, and so first of all, I wanted to plan a trip uh, because I, I just I felt like I was at a point in my life where I wanted to get away, and uh, I wanted to get as much information as I could uh, because I'm a as an engineer I'm a risk managing guy and. So just searching on the web for resources and trying to connect with people who had done that led me to discovering Horizons Unlimited. And uh, 
What's interesting about that discovery is that since I've discovered Horizons Unlimited, I've found no equal. There's nothing quite like Horizons Unlimited in the you know adventure motorcycle community. Uh, so at the first meeting that I attended, I was uh, I remember being nervous for some reason, and I, I think it was because I was the new guy and looking at the list of presenters and everything that they had done, I was you know sort of walking around in awe and uh, you know not really wanting to say anything, uh, even that hey, I'm the new guy initially anyway. And as the weekend progressed, I realized that, that these people were really no different than I was. Um, they had just done something that I wanted to do. And so it was a, a very natural inclination to try to uh, cross the bridge in knowledge between what they knew and what I wanted to know. And uh, the best part of it is that these folks wanted to share and wanted to take time no matter how many questions you had, no matter how silly the questions seemed, uh, that embarrassment or that initial nervousness just melted away. And uh, I literally left that meeting, felt like I was part of this new community that uh, I had been welcoming, welcomed in, uh, despite the fact that I hadn't even gone one mile on my great adventure. I hadn't even left yet. I was still a year out from leaving, but uh, I felt very welcomed. Uh, so if I were to say one thing about Horizons Unlimited, and in particular, Susan and Grant, is uh, they truly were the spark that lit the fire under me to go out and and do my grand adventure. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that without, without this forum that they've created, Horizons Unlimited, and without the direct involvement that you sense and feel from Susan and Grant, that uh, this trajectory that's in my life anyway, that's landed me here, I don't think would have been the same. Um, they, they, they literally gave me the confidence. They exposed me to their community and the tools and the resources that are in that community that made me feel comfortable, you know, knowing that I would never be alone, even though I was alone. I wasn't alone in the sense that uh, I always had somebody that I could connect with and I could always remember uh, the lessons that I had learned from being uh, involved with Horizons Unlimited. And uh, I, I honestly don't think that I would have taken a trip like I did uh, without Horizons Unlimited. <laughs> oh, I love these guys. Uh, Susan and Grant, uh, I, again, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I think I've been to four Horizons Unlimited meetings so far. Uh, and seeing you as you're walking around the corner at these meetings is just lights lights my life up. I, I love seeing you guys. And uh, anything that I can do ever to share my story and to, uh, to uh, that, that might help others, uh, 
see what you guys are doing, uh, you let me know. I'm, I'm here for you. I just want to remind you this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and Moto Breeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much. Remember, you can drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and listen to all of our episodes, as well as our other show, ARR Raw, which is roundtable discussions about motorcycle travel every month. And I encourage you to drop by the hub, www.horizonsunlimited.com, and see what incredible information there is there for you. Well, my name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. See you next week. This is Dave Barr, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 